Serena Williams won her 23rd Grand Slam title. She posted on Reddit looking for advice on her career for when she one day retires. David Beckham trained Tigers with Joe Exotic, the Tiger King, after playing his second season in the U.S. Okay, neither of those are true. But what is true is that sometimes we don't always get the real story. Welcome to The Global Game, an Uru sports podcast where we learn about behind-the-scenes experiences of top athletes and the reality of what it's like to play sports around the world. I'm Devereaux Peters, and together with my co-host Ainsley McAllister, whose very own wild story we're going to delve into today. Ainsley was a multi-year captain and All-American at the University of Michigan. She represented Team USA at the Junior World Cup. She also played semi-pro in Australia, England, Uruguay, and throughout Europe. Before Ainsley retired playing overseas, she got to play in England's premier national championship, the European Club Championships, and the Australian Hockey League Championships. I actually had no plans to keep playing after college. I was lined up for a job with a medical device sales company in Michigan, about 45 minutes from my hometown. And I was pretty sad to stop playing, but there were no opportunities for me to keep playing competitively, or so I thought. (laughs) I mean, little did I know how many opportunities there actually are and what an international adventure field hockey was about to take me on. So how did you end up playing overseas after college? So I had gotten really into field hockey and the U.S. system like super late. I had actually been a walk-on at the University of Michigan. And despite getting a lot better and being named an All-American, when graduating, my skills really weren't quite like honed enough um, for this senior national team. But I was I was close. Um But having no opportunities to play in the U.S., the national coach, who at that time was an Englishman, he said to me, hey, I know a coach in England who is just brilliant technically. Would you have any interest in going to play a season for him? I had no clue what the position would entail or really what the experience would be like. I thought about it for maybe half a second (laughs) and I decided why not? When else would I have the opportunity to live in England and keep playing? If it hadn't been for Coach Parnum, I wouldn't have known it was an option or had the connections to go play overseas for a premier team. So you decide you want to change your mind and kind of go overseas. You have this opportunity presented to you. Um, What was that first year in England like? It was awesome. And it it was really very eye-opening to how little I knew about the world of hockey and sports in general. Uh, The hockey was a great standard for the team I played for. I got a lot better. And it was just great to get to explore a new country. I had never been to England before. And I was ended up being an absolute sucker for all the history, the culture, and especially the banter. Oh my gosh, people are so funny. Um, but really, the people and the great setup, thanks to Coach Parnum, really was what made this experience so special and memorable. I, I was also the only import on the team, and just everyone at the club was super welcoming. They wanted to show me why Nottingham was such a great city, why the hockey club was the best, why the tradition of a Sunday roast is so cool. And I felt like I was immediately dropped into a massive group of friends. And my setup at my flat was actually incredible as well. I was in the Beeston hockey flat. Uh, I lived with my coach who played for the 
men's first team and then another player on the men's first team. Um, <laughs> it was kind of funny. They actually told me uh, the day before I was flying to England that I'd be living with my coach. And coming from the U.S. college system, that would never be allowed. So I was a little bit uncertain and uneasy about what I was getting into. I had no other details besides that, to be honest, about the whole experience. <laughs> but the things are just so different over there. And thankfully, it all worked out great. And actually, the, the coach and I are great friends to this day. But this initial experience of even just the player coach dynamic really opened that, my eyes to this completely different way sports operate outside the U.S. What do you think the biggest differences were in the structure of hockey from the overseas competition as compared to U.S. competition? I mean, I had no idea how popular field hockey actually is. I had no clue that it's the third most popular sport in the world and that it was a really popular men's sport. I was also just baffled by the amount of money the club was spending to have me over to represent their club. And I think this was what caused me to just be super fascinated by how the club system operated. I mean, it was similar all throughout Europe and I soon learned throughout the whole world and across so many sports. The club sports scene is an absolutely massive business with huge adult and junior participation. So like on a Saturday morning, you'd have little kids from three years old who are just running around the club with sticks to people who are kidding up and taking the field at 70 years old. They may be bandaged up and like limping around, but the whole thing is just super family oriented and the people are very loyal to their club. It's such a fun vibe where people really hang out at the club all day, cheering on the teams. And of course it's England, so they're also drinking warm beer. <laughs> Another thing that was very different to me um, was who actually made up the team. Because in this club system overseas, the teams that really take the field for the first team are the best players that the club can field. And so you'd really have teammates from all ages. So it was players who were 17 who were really talented. And I actually had some teammates overseas who were 40 and who had been to three Olympics. Just playing with that type of experience was just really unreal it and it constantly kept us in our place as during practice this 40 year old constantly made us look like fools <laughs> my rookie year I actually had a, a teammate who was 40 as well and she had a daughter that was my age that I used to hang out with. <laughs> so I definitely understand how that experience is a little different but it's kind of cool to have like be around that much experience yeah, and the close mentorship it allowed as well. I loved having that close-knit team with people in all different areas of life. It was super unique. So, was there um, a big difference in the style of play from what you came from at like University of Michigan to when you first got to England? Yeah, the style of play differed in like every single country I played in. England was super structured and methodical in the way they attacked, whereas in Australia, it was like super free-flowing, and they always attacked really fast vertically up the field. Uh, stereotypically, the, the U.S. style of play is really just like all about its strength, power, and work ethic, and not so much um, on being 
skilled technically. And so that's actually exactly what I found. Technically speaking, I had a lot to learn when I got to England. Um, and I, I really learned so many new techniques and game strategies um, when I was over there. And it really ended up changing and improving my whole game. Gotcha. So you play your first year in England. Um, what happened after that season ended? So I was planning on going back, traveling with the U.S. team and finally starting the job that I had postponed. But once I actually experienced how sports work overseas, I really wasn't wanting to go back. I had had a few teammates in England who had played in Australia, and they told me about people they knew who had played in New Zealand, South Africa, Argentina, Hong Kong, etc. And so this all really had my attention. (laughs) So I started researching clubs and sending blind emails. Each club had so many staff on their website and I never knew like who to contact or where to even really start. So that wasn't working very well. Uh, I, I started then working my limited network like at that time and begging for introductions to any teams in Australia that they might know. Um, it was absolutely amazing how willing people were to uh, try to help connect you. One day I was actually on the phone with a team in Melbourne and a teammate from England asked me like how I got connected. I think I probably said something like, so Sarah's teammate's coach had a player a couple years ago who's been playing in Melbourne for about three years. So he kindly connected me. (laughs) So like after two months of tons of random calls, I had three official offers, two in Perth's Premier League and one in Melbourne's Premier League. I tried like hard to learn about like the league and the locations, the cities, etc. But I really only had that one distant connection in Melbourne, and I already felt like I had been uh, pestering her a lot. (laughs) So I had that one connection and then also the words of the coaches to make my career decision off. I learned that um, the Australian national team, which is one of the best national teams in the world, all play in that Perth Premier League, and just the beaches looked amazing. (laughs) So I decided to choose... Uh, a team there. As far as like the process with overseas, I know a lot of this you've been doing on your own. You, you've kind of been through with connections that you may have had, you know, through school or wherever else. In the field hockey world, are there a lot of like agents or people that can like mediate um, throughout this process? Because it seems like that would have just helped the process for you, made it a little bit smoother. So that's really why I've created Euro. It's just because there's so many incredible opportunities across the world and there's so many talented athletes who would love to play, but there's a complete disconnect between the talent and the teams. And in addition, there's also like no transparency in this recruiting process to actually let the athlete or the team know what they'll be getting, you know? If I had had more information, my own sports career would have looked very, very different. Um, just from from even college recruiting to international summer internships tied to playing opportunities to master degree scholarships to playing in cool elite tournaments and, of course, to which semi-pro teams I ended up playing for. Uh, from my experience, as well as we heard last week, Devereaux, and your experience, this lack of a tech solution bringing opportunities and talent to light 
really allows this international sports recruiting scene to become just full of false promises and lies. So this kind of actually leads me back to finding a team to play for in Australia by myself. The two offers for the teams in Perth that I was deciding between were very different. One offer was extremely better, where they offered me a salary, a car, accommodation, gym memberships, flights, visas, and additionally, he promised um, me elite training, saying that I would be practicing with the national team twice a week because of his association with them. So, of course, I chose that team, but man, the experience was not at all all like what it was sold (laughs) to me as not only did I never get to like train with the Australian national team but the level of play on the team was extremely low and we'd sometimes only have five people showing up at trainings the coach also never ended up paying me most of my money he actually stood me up at a coffee shop the day before I left Australia and the worst part was actually he had done this to three imports the year before who had all ended up not coming back for the season I played. So yeah, it it was not the best. And it sure made me realize how important it is to find out the real story. So you have this horrible experience in Australia, um, which was like your dream, you know, situation that you thought you wanted to be in. Um, But you didn't retire after that. So what made you want to like keep going and find another team and figure out another situation? Yeah, that's a good question, and it seems kind of foolish, maybe. But um, the overall experience in Australia was actually really life-changing. Um, and I think because I wasn't getting the hockey experience I was looking for, it really sparked a lot of that. I ended up starting a hockey import group with a few friends who I had made over there, who were also playing from overseas in Perth. This group was actually about 60 of us imports, all who were playing this season in Perth from other countries. And we had this community group where we'd go and work out together, we'd go get extra trainings in, we'd go to the beach, we'd grab coffee, we'd go and explore the coast, we even hit Bali together. It was just such a cool experience building these deep relationships with people with such different backgrounds and upbringings and experiences than I, than I had. And so I felt like I learned so much about myself and the world in this time. So what I really think kept me from retiring at the end of that season in Perth was my first season in England, um, which was just had been so positive and it had been completely set up for me. So I really knew how great playing overseas could be if I could find the right information and set it up correctly. So yeah, after this season in Perth, I decided to do another one in England. And at this time, I used my much expanded network. I had an offer from one of the top teams in England who had already qualified for the European Championships. So I knew that the team that I'd be joining would likely be playing in the England National Championship and also be playing in Holland for the Europeans. Like, what a cool experience. But I I still talked to many teammates before committing about, like, what it would really be like. So, yeah, I I really just didn't want to end my hockey career like I was going to if I had quit after this first season in Oz. Gotcha. So what was the next stop for you after that? So after the second 
awesome experience playing in England and, and competing in the national championship with this very supportive club I was on. I, I really, in that experience, I had shifted my mindset of why I was actually playing overseas, which was a really super interesting experience for myself. It wasn't actually any longer to become the best player and to go return home and make the national team anymore. It was more about the overall experience and the people. And so because of my large network in Perth um, with the Perth Import Group and knowing a lot of the Australian national team players and coaches in the area, I um, had multiple offers to come back and play there. And I actually decided to play with this awesome club, which was actually in the second league, but fighting for promotion. So I, I went there so that I could really make a difference in the club. It was an awesome experience, and we actually, the team was promoted. So success. <laughs> so you kind of had like an all over the place, good, the bad, the ugly experiences while you were playing. Um, and it seems like it all kind of came together when you retired and wanted to start Uru Sports. Um, how well, did you go like into like what what start sparked that idea for you to start? Yeah, the plan actually wasn't to retire and start Uru, but by the end of my first season playing in Australia, I had a handful of former teammates from both the U.S. and from England reaching out, seeing how I got a position in Australia and if I could help them. So because of my bad experiences, I was so passionate about not just connecting them with any team, but actually finding them one with a good track record of treating their imports right and helping them make sure that their expectations were aligned. Um, so I helped these teammates of mine put together like a compelling email and highlight reel, which then I'd send to club coaches I knew saying something just like, Hey coach, I have an awesome teammate who's a forward and she's keen to play in Australia here next season. Any interest in connecting with her? Some of these coaches responses were like, perfect, send her my way. While others were like, ah, we actually don't need a forward, but we could really use a great goalkeeper next season and a midfielder. Do you know anyone? And so I started asking my friends if they knew anyone who fit this criteria. And I was, I was really just helping the teams out. And then organically, I started getting more and more athletes interested to learn about these positions. And then also I was getting more teams interested in learning about any available talent I might know of. So I actually stepped back and thought, whoa, this is like crazy that nothing exists to connect athletes with teams. So I knew how quickly coaches actually turn over in these club positions overseas. And I knew that my connections would fade pretty quickly with teams. So I thought, hmm, let's see if I can build something that will transcend my actual playing career and continue to help athletes learn about these playing positions globally. It's a pretty cool concept. Um, at what point, I mean, I feel like with anybody that wanted this, like starting a business, you know, like, like you said, usually it's not necessarily on the forefront. It's come out of a need and you seeing there's a need for something. Um, and initially you're like already doing it, right? Like you're connecting people. Like at what point did you like really start making that transition into making it something much more serious and concrete? Hmm. Good question, Devereaux. Um, 
So it's it's in my blood to think big and create. <laughs> so I think there were many moments, especially during conversation with the Perth Import Group, just talking about each person's horror stories that I was like, wow, every single person has a story to tell and could provide valuable insight to the next athlete. Like this could really be big. But one conversation in particular always pops to mind. So one of my teammates from the all-star team in Perth was named Aki. She was a Japanese national team athlete who had actually just been recently cut from the national team and had joined a former teammate down in Australia so just so she could keep playing. But she was so talented. She really just had a knack for the goal. And she didn't know what to do next. So we're sitting on the beach talking, and, and her English wasn't great then, but she was learning very quickly when she, we were in Australia. And she really wanted to find another place to go play great hockey and continue learning English. So I ended up connecting her with a premier team that I had heard great things about and knew that they were looking for a forward. It worked out, and a few weeks later, she was on a plane to the U.K., she ended up having like just an awesome experience where she got a lot better and she actually ended up returning to Japan where she made the national team and got named to the Tokyo Olympic squad. So yeah, huge, huge. So it's just so cool to see, especially because without the proper stepping stones, like athletes like Aki probably wouldn't be able to keep playing. And so it's really cool to be able to help athletes shape their journeys and help them really find success. So with like these various like successful placements of great athletes to teams, I started getting more and more demand from athletes and teams. And I started wondering if I could turn somehow turn this into a business. I had no business background and was recommended to check out doing a business accelerator. So I applied to one that was in Michigan and I actually was accepted when I was en route to New Zealand for a season. So having given the team a heads up that this was possible that I would have to go back for the program, I returned to Michigan, got Yuru's initial investment to build out a basic MVP and it really just goes from there. That's a dope story though because it it just seems like everything kind of fit into place at the right time. Um, And like, even with like your experiences and how they were flowing and the way that you were going through things and like, okay, I had this bad experiences, but I met this person and then I got this connection. It seemed like it just all flowed together kind of perfectly to bring you to that point where you built this. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I mean, it hasn't been all smooth and easy. But I honestly believe that all those negative experiences were so that I could see this tech solution and passionately care about bringing this like transparent platform to life, which will help athletes be able to actually get a real glimpse into what it will be like when they get off the plane. So like what their salaries will look like, what the teams look like, what the practices will look like, what the clubhouse looks like, what the import accommodation will look like. There's just so many intimidating unknowns when committing and so many more athletes will be willing to have this incredible global experience if they know what they're actually getting into. So I really want athletes to be able to take control of their own career and be able to put themselves in safe and good experiences that will set them up for success. 
Yeah, and it's it's nice to like have a platform where you're able to talk to people and be like, hey, look, he didn't show up to the coffee shop and pay me. You can go if you want to, but <laughs> listen, this is what may happen. Oh, for sure. Well, we'll be bringing you to basketball and other sports soon. You're absolutely fulfilling the need. That's for sure. Well, thanks, Deb. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we've heard your story about overseas, the positive, the negative, how you've used all of it to build your business. What advice would you give to your 15-year-old self with everything that you know now? Ooh, if I could tell my younger self something, it would be something about how life's a journey and it's really all about the community and the people around, along the way. So like take the adventures, pour into good people, be aware that not everyone is a good person. So surround yourself with fun, awesome people who want to challenge you to be your best. Also, like just don't stress too much. Be grateful of everything and keep confident that life has this beautiful way of working out better than anything you'll be able to ever plan. Well, I thank you, Ainsley, for joining us today and telling us your awesome story crazy stories, positive stories, um, all of that. Obviously, like I said, what you're doing um, with Yuru is pretty amazing and, and definitely necessary. Um, and I think Thanks. that you've, you know, really fulfilled a need um, in the sports world. So good luck moving forward with that. Yeah, thank you. Um, and everyone else, uh, thank you for joining us. Really looking forward to joining my co-host and actually being able to Ooh. talk to some other people besides ourselves <laughs> <laughs> and get you guys some really good interviews and stories um, and hear a lot about experience that don't get touched on too often. So oh, it's going to be fun. Keep tuning in and hopefully we'll see you guys next time on the Global Game.